you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up or turn them on to Matthew chapter 6 today. I was talking to my neighbor this morning, and he was telling me that he read that about 100,000 people moved into the Dallas-Fort Worth area last year alone, and uh, they come from all over the world, from countries all over the world. Like you saw on the screen, people move here from places like Mexico, places uh, in Europe and Asia, countries like California, people moving here from all over the world, from all different perspectives. And one of the things that we want to be as a church is a church that reaches out to people, helps new churches get started, and has strategic mission partners that help us in that journey. Because uh, we're not alone. We're not the only church doing the work of God. And we have partnership with the North American Mission Board. Uh, and through the Annie Armstrong Mission Offering, it helps support missionaries planting churches, strengthening churches, doing the work of the Lord to uh, help within our own continental area as a country. And so I encourage you to pray about being a part of that mission offering. Well, we are in the final week today of our series on the Lord's Prayer. And we have been talking on the subject of connected. How can we be connected with God and how can we be connected with others? And you'll recall we've had three major goals in this sermon series. Number one, we want to help you cultivate a prayer life, a time with God that is vital to your soul, vital to your heart, where you talk to Him and you have this relationship with the Heavenly Father. Secondly, we want to help you discover what does prayer look like in everyday life. The Lord's Prayer is not meant to just be something that is isolated to you, but as you pray the Lord's Prayer, it also invades your relationships and allows you to be connected in stronger ways to people and the world around you. And then thirdly, we as a church are praying that God might use this sermon series to allow our lives to be connected to God and others and to live in community. Church is not something that you simply attend on Sunday. Church is a community of believers that come together to worship, to grow, to serve, and to live together and to encourage one another. So look around this room. If anybody's asleep, wake them up. It's way too early in the sermon to already be asleep. But look around the room and realize that these people that are sitting in the room with you today, they are walking the journey with you. These are people that are encouraging you and helping you as you walk the journey of Christian faith. So let's read together the Lord's Prayer. We'll read it as it is on the screen so that we can all say the same words, and we'll start on the count of three. A one and a two and a three. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And today we want to look at verse 13 where Jesus says, and do not bring us into, go back one, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me ask you this question. What are your temptation hotspots? Where is it that you struggle with temptation? I, uh, 
I'm a stress eater. I know that when you look at my incredible physique that it's hard to believe, but I, I am a stress eater, and chocolate is a, a kryptonite to me. Uh, most of you guys know that uh, my father passed away about a month ago, back in February, and when we were going through the stress of his death, my sisters kept saying, you know, I felt nauseous today. I haven't been able to eat in two days. I was like, well, not me, man. I'm eating everything in sight. You know, I'm a stress eater, and whenever I get a little bit stressed, it's easy for me to fall into the temptation of gluttony. We all face temptation, and what's more is we all have our unique ways in dealing with it, and when we don't deal with the temptations of life in a healthy way, in a way that draws us closer to the Lord, we will deal with those temptations and stresses in a sinful way, in a way that actually pushes us away from the Lord. Now, you'll remember way, way, way back last month, we had a series of messages called Identity. And in that series on identity, we looked at the seven deadly sins, seven sins that have just been called over the years the seven deadly sins. And one of the things that we discussed is that these seven sins that are on the screen here, they are compensation sins. These are the areas where we run to when the evil one tempts us. These are the areas that we might fall into when rather than walking with the Holy Spirit, we are walking in the flesh. One of the things that the evil one does is he tries to play upon your weak spots. You see, he doesn't play fair. <laughs> and he knows that each of us are different, and so he tempts you in the way in which you're susceptible. And so if you look at the compensation sins, as I like to call them, some of us, it's very easy for us to fall into pride. We develop an inflated, unhealthy sense of self-worth. Maybe we even become entitled and we think that everybody worships us. We think that we are owed everything. And when the evil one tempts you, he tempts you to move towards pride. Some of us, envy is our big temptation hotspot. That feeling that you deserve, and you deserve things that maybe belong to other people. Social media is rough with this. Because we're always seeing, oh, my friend got this, my friend went this place, this happened, this place. And, and if we're not careful, we can fall into that must be nice mentality. You ever thought that? Must be nice, must be nice, yeah. And you start envying. I deserve position, possessions, success, virtues. I don't know why that person has that, and I don't. Another temptation hotspot is gluttony. I talked about this uh, just a few moments ago. It's that excessive desire for pleasure. It particularly comes out in eating or drinking. Whenever we start eating to excess or drinking to inhibition, or it could come out in adrenaline rushes. You're always searching for the next adventure, always needing that next adrenaline rush to keep you going. And then there's lust. Now, that's what many of us think of whenever we think about uh, do not lead us into temptation. Our mind automatically runs towards lust. And this is an area where many struggle. That selfish focus on sex 
or that desire to have sexual pleasure with someone other than your spouse. And that can come out in numerous different ways. It can be a temptation hotspot. Anger. Anger in and of itself is just an emotion, but an excessive, improper desire to exact revenge or undealt with anger can turn to bitterness, and it can cause us to do things that are just wrong and sinful. And then there's greed, that strong, unhealthy desire for possessions, things, the things of this world. And then there's sloth. Just a lack of effort. No energy. A lack of energy, a lack of responsibility to face the necessary task. Perhaps just leaving things undone or done badly. A refusal to take ownership over anything. Now, we're not going to do an online poll today. We're not even going to do a raise your hand poll today because that would just be awkward, right? But which one, as you think in your mind, is kind of your natural default? Be honest with yourself. Where do you kind of fall whenever you find yourself in temptation? It's interesting to me that Jesus taught us to pray to God, uh, do not bring us into temptation. There are some similarities here to Jesus' garden prayer. Heavenly Father, Abba, all things are possible with you. Take this cup from me. But then you also see this conjunction. But deliver us from the evil one. You see, sometimes you will face temptation. And when we face temptation, there's several biblical lessons that we see as to how to face, how to deal with temptation. Number one, we should run from temptation rather than to it. It's not a sin to be tempted, but temptation can lead you to sin. And so it's important to use your brain and sometimes your legs to go the other way. For example, if you struggle with addictive behaviors, if you have struggle with gambling, you probably don't need to vacation in Vegas, right? Use your brain here a little bit. Uh, if, um, if you struggle with gluttony, the all-you-eat buffet is probably not the place you need to go after lunch. I know, you can dollar-cost average there. It's pretty good, you know? You can get it down to like 10 cents a bite, but it's probably not the best place to go. Use your brain. Don't run to temptation, run away from it. Secondly, in a fallen world, there will be times when we're tempted to do the wrong thing. I look forward to the day that the Lord comes back. I look forward to the day where he frees us from the presence of sin. But as we live in this world where we are, there's going to be times where we are tempted. Thirdly, we need to realize that temptation to do wrong comes from the evil one, but deliverance to do right comes from God. So when we talk about deliver us from temptation, we're not talking about self-help here. We're not talking about, okay, today I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better. We're talking about coming to God and asking Him sincerely and, if necessary, repeatedly for deliverance 
from that area where the evil one desires to tempt you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. Realize this, you're not the only one struggling in that area. When we find ourselves in the grip of temptation, we often think, I'm the only one dealing with this. But there are others that are dealing with it as well. Again, back to community. That's part of why we have church. Because when we find ourselves struggling, there's people here to help you and to love you through the challenges. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you are able to bear it. Whenever you find yourself in the throes of temptation, realize that there is also an area where God is giving you an escape, where you don't have to go down that path. Now let's ask this question. Can you think of a time when Jesus was tempted? Can you think of a time specifically when Jesus was tempted by the evil one? Go with me over to Luke chapter 4. Go to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, we uh, see this incredible contrast. Jesus had just been baptized... And as he was baptized, you heard the voice from heaven, God the Father, saying, this is my son. Then you saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, landing upon him. In many ways, it represented the inauguration of Jesus' earthly ministry. It was a climactic high point in the story of Jesus. And it's followed by the time in the wilderness. So in Luke chapter 4... And verse 1, the scriptures say, Then Jesus returned from the Jordan. Literally, he comes out of the Jordan River, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. So the divine contrast is painted for us here in Scripture. We see in the previous passage the refreshing water of the Jordan River and the baptism. And now we find Jesus in the dry, arid wilderness. In the previous section, we see the community of believers that are testifying as to their hearts being in tune with the plan of God. And that is now contrasted by the loneliness of the wilderness. We see the innocence of the dove at the baptism contrasted by the wild animals in the wilderness. We see the divinity of Jesus Christ as he is baptized and the Trinity is literally on display there in the pages of Scripture. And we see that contrasted by his humanity as he's in the wilderness and the Scriptures say Jesus, the Son of God, was hungry. We see the goodness of Jesus contrasted by the evil of Satan. We see Adam's failure to be obedient to the plan of God, contrasted by Jesus' success. We see Noah's 40 days of rain, contrasted by Jesus' 40 days of dryness. Israel's 40 years of wandering from God, 
contrasted by 40 days of obedience. Now make sure that you download this. God was with Jesus just as much in the loneliness of the wilderness as he was in the waters of baptism. Now, I don't know where you are right now in your spiritual journey, in your life journey, if you're in the cool waters of baptism where everything is refreshing, or if you're in the lonely moments of the wilderness. But I do know this, God is with you. And one of the things I love about Jesus is that he was human. He was 100% God and 100% man, the incarnation. And there are times in the gospel stories where we see the humanity of Jesus overflow. And in Luke chapter 4, that is one of those moments because we see Jesus, the Son of God, tempted by the devil. So in verse 3, the devil comes to him and says, If, if you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live by bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. This can all be yours, Jesus, if you'll just worship me and all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So in verse 9, we see the next temptation. He took him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, the high point that overlooked everything in the city of Jerusalem. And he said, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you. So he's like, Jesus, jump. After all, he's going to send some angels to catch you, won't he? You're the son of God. He's not going to end your story with, oh, and he fell off the temple. That's not how it's going to end. And they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, it is said, do not test the Lord your God. And verse 13 says, after the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him what does it say there? For a time. Jesus faced temptation in his life. And specifically, we see in this story, three times Jesus faces the temptation, and three times he found God's deliverance from temptation. Three times he responds to the temptation with the truth of God. He replaces the lies with truth. The native language of Satan is what? Lies. He speaks fluent deceit. That's what Satan speaks. He always tries to distort, to confuse, to deceive. And we have to capture that lie and replace it with the truth. And so let me talk to you today for if you're in the midst of temptation right now or that time where you will be, let me give you three is it 
questions to ask when faced with temptation. I'll go back to these periodically because I think they're, they're very helpful as we just try to live out the Lord's Prayer in our lives. Here's the first question to ask whenever you are tempted. Is it written? Is it written? Every time Jesus was tempted by Satan, he replaced the lie with the truth of God. Is it written? And he would respond to the temptation with the truth of God. So you have to ask yourself the question, what does the Bible say? If it's in my Father's Word, if God has said, yes, this is okay, this is good, then I have a green light. I can go for it. If it's not, then there is a red light, and you don't need to go there. At some point in your Christian life, you're going to have to decide what you believe about the Bible. Do you believe it just to be a good book, kind of a guidebook, kind of a basic collection of stories of people who have sought God, or do you believe it to be the Word of God and to be truth? If you believe that it is the Word of God, thank you, Lincoln, if you believe it is the Word of God and that it is truth, whenever you are faced with temptation, you have to ask this question, what does the Bible say? There's a lot of times that we're looking at things in life and maybe it's leading you towards a shady business deal or leading you towards doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And if you just consult the Scripture, you have your answer right there. And some of us may be dealing with a major decision right now. Relational. Who do you marry? Who do you connect with in a romantic way? Financial decisions. How do I manage my money? Family decisions. Careers. And you have these choices to make. And these choices that you make, they're going to affect the trajectory of your life. And here's something that amazes me, how often Christians will make decisions without ever asking the question, what does the Bible have to say about it? What is written? Let me give you some of the worst advice anybody can ever give you. Now, you're going to be surprised by this. Here's some of the worst advice anybody could ever give you. Just always go with your heart. If it feels right, go for it. God just wants you to be happy. Now, I get it. That makes good movie. And we do want you to have happiness and joy in your life. And there is a sense of that intuitive nature that some of us, we've, we've learned over the years that whenever you have an intuitive leading in a certain way, you know, kind of follow your, what's the saying, trust your gut type stuff. And there, there's an element to that. But just imagine, I, I enjoy backpacking. I enjoy hiking. Imagine if I went to the wilderness somewhere and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to go follow my heart. I'm going to get me a suitcase, throw a few things in there, and I'm just going to get lost. And I don't need a map. I'm just going to go just follow my heart. I mean, I might starve to death. It's not going to go well. When it comes to the Bible, God has given us a trail, a compass, a map, signs, and even a trail guide in the Holy Spirit. And we need to take advantage of that. And whenever you are facing temptation, the first question you need to ask yourself is, is it written? What has God said about this matter? Because sometimes it gives you a green light, and sometimes it gives you a red light. And the thou shalt nots in Scripture are not there to ruin your fun. 
They're there to protect you and to help you because God loves you. Here's a second question. Is it worship? Is it, wor- is it worship? Is it written? Second question, is it worship? Satan's goal in the second temptation was to get Jesus to worship the wrong things. And so Jesus responds in verse 8 that the Bible teaches us to worship the Lord your God and to serve him only. You see, worship is, is one of those concepts in Christianity that is larger than what many of us make it. For many of us, whenever we think of worship, it's the singing time. Okay, we have the worship, which is fun, and then the preaching, which we endure, right? And so you kind of think of the fun time and the, and the boring time. At least that's how I thought when I was a little kid. Or you go, to the, you go to the Christian bookstore, and they have the section back in the back that says the worship section. And that's where you go, and you find your Sandy Patty and your Michael W. Smith, right, in the worship section. And so we kind of think of worship in these ways, but worship is a foundational truth to Christianity. Worship means that I am seeking to bring glory and honor to God in every area of my life. Everything about your life is built in Christianity on a foundation of worship. Are you going to seek God's glory or your glory? Are you ultimately seeking to bring honor to him or to yourself? Worship invades every area of our lives. And sin occurs when we start worshiping the wrong things. And here's where it gets difficult because frequently the things that we worship are not necessarily bad. They're just not worthy of our worship. And we start worshiping the wrong things and putting that into the role that belongs to God. And we find ourselves doing things that are absolutely wrong. Greed worships money. Lust worships sex. Gluttony worships pleasure. When pride worships myself. We can have good things like family, but we can become idolaters when we start worshiping family instead of God. I want spiritual growth in your life. And spiritual growth occurs when you learn to worship God in all things. And there's an incredible freedom that comes with that as well because then you can live with the singleness of purpose that says, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I have one goal. And that is to honor God. In my work, in my parenting, in the way that I treat the person at the grocery store. In all of this, I have one goal. I want to honor God. So is it written? Is it worship? And here's the third question. Is it on God's agenda? Question for you. Could Jesus have turned the stones to bread? Did he have that power? Yeah. Could Jesus have jumped from the temple, done a few flips, Loaded down and just made a big landing. Of course. Could Jesus have formed an earthly kingdom and reigned over all things? Then why didn't he do it? Why didn't he say, hey, hey, okay, I'll show you Satan. I am the son of God. Here I go. Why didn't he do it? Because that was not on God's agenda for him. That wasn't his mission. God's agenda for Jesus was to seek and to save those who were spiritually lost. God's agenda for Jesus was going to lead him to Calvary. God's agenda for Jesus was going to lead him to the resurrection. God had a bigger agenda for Jesus 
than jumping off the temple to show that he's the Son of God. Do you realize that it's impossible for you to experience everything life has to offer? You only have one life. There's so much out there, you'll never experience everything that life has to offer. Their life usually will bring you a lot of opportunities. But you have to lean into God. Pray. Seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Seek wise counsel from people that you know walk with the Lord. And ask the question, what is God's agenda for me? What is his life mission for me? Because we need to take the one and only life that God has given us and leverage it for the expansion of the gospel. Your life can make a difference. Your life can have impact. But you can't live everybody else's life. You can't experience everything there is to experience in life. You have to live the life that God has given you. And in order to do that, you're going to have to say no to some things that are not on God's agenda in order to say the bigger yes to what is on God's agenda. What is he calling you to? How is he calling you to serve? How is he calling your life to have impact? Ask that question. Is it on God's agenda? I remember back in the summer of 2008, Stacy and I had just had our oldest child, Karis. Karis was but a baby, and uh, I was serving as a missionary. I was a uh, missionary in Grayson County, and I would go to different churches every Sunday, and I got to preach in different churches and help new churches get started and uh, help the gospel expand there in the county. It was, a, it was a neat ministry, and we really enjoyed it. But as God blessed us with our first child, we began praying, okay, Lord, what is your agenda? What is your direction? And it was one of those things that took time to unfold. It wasn't something that we simply prayed once and then God gave us the immediate answer. And we even had some different opportunities come across our path. You know, this uh, missions organization wanted to talk to us over here and this church wanted to talk to us over here. And then we also had a great ministry right where we were and we were seeking God's direction because one of the things that, that we were wanting was we were wanting a place where uh, we could raise our child, which would become child, 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 child. We wanted a place where we could raise our children and a family in which we could raise our children. I enjoyed the ministry. But I take tremendous joy in the week-to-week studying of the Scripture and seeing people grow and seeing people change, the family life of the church. And so we were praying through this, and we had different opportunities come across our way. And then we got an a email from Murphy Road Baptist Church in Murphy, Texas. I'd never heard of this place before. We drove through here one Sunday afternoon. We were the stalkers, you know. Drove through the back of the parking lot and Awana was going on. So we're like driving through the parking lot and people are waving at us. We're like, you know, that kind of thing. Don't mind us. We're just the, you know, that kind of thing. A few weeks went by and we began talking with the search team and eventually they felt like the Lord wanted us here. And we asked God, is this on your agenda? And we had to have the the peace of the Holy Spirit come upon our heart. And I remember it. we were in Karis's nursery and Stacy and I had a conversation. We were like, no, this is where we believe God is leading us. And 13 years later, here we are. By the way, I don't have any plans of going anywhere. 
So this was, I plan to grow old, uh, you know. Uh, um, this is what, the, you know, like, you already grew old. Uh, thanks, Amy. I, I knew you were thinking it over there, weren't you, Amy? Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you just really have to narrow it down and say, okay, God, what, what is your will? And Jesus teaches us to come to the Lord and pray in the face of temptation. I think that's what we need to do right now. So if you'd be so kind as to bow your heads. I don't know everything that's going on in your life. Maybe you're wrestling with a specific area of temptation or sin. And you need to pray the prayer of deliverance. And ask God to deliver you from temptation. Reach out to people in your life to help you find strength. Devote yourself to the daily prayer of deliverance. Maybe there's an area in your life where you are wrestling with the truth of Scripture. And this is what the Bible has said, but you're wrestling with, do I obey or do I disobey? And right now, in the quietness of this moment, you just need to yield your heart over to God and say, Lord, give me the power, give me the strength to trust you and to follow your truth. Perhaps you're seeking God's wisdom in a major area of your life. Maybe the temptation that's come across your path isn't even a bad thing, but you're just wondering, is that what I'm supposed to do? And with your head bowed, you need to begin the process of yielding your heart to God and trusting Him. When Jesus reached the mouth of the garden just before the cross and He felt the temptation and the anguish and the struggle of the moment, three times He had to go back into the garden. And there He found the ministry of the angel. And He found deliverance. And He found strength. Father, I pray for this church that I love, this church that you have chosen to walk through life with my family. I pray, Lord, that we might be a family of believers. I pray, Father, for your blessing, for your joy to be rich in our midst. And I ask, Lord, that you might deliver us from those temptations to be anything but who you have called us to be and what you've called us to do. I pray for my friend, my friends that might be struggling in some area today. That you might give them deliverance, that you might birth within us a righteousness and a purity. And Lord, even when we go through the periods of dryness, the periods of the wilderness where it's difficult and the struggle is real, Father, we know that you take that struggle and you make it a part of our story. And we pray, Father, that our story might be one that reflects your glory. And so, Lord, I thank you that you can redeem even the darkness of the past so that it can become light that shines into the darkness and brings deliverance to others who are struggling. Lord, today we praise you for Joshua's baptism. And there might be somebody else in the room today that, like Josh was at camp, is struggling with their salvation. And I pray that before they leave this room, before they leave this church, that they will talk to me or talk to someone 
and that they might leave here with assurance of salvation in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. You can worship. You can pray. If you need to write some notes to yourself, you can journal. But let's worship the Lord as the band leads us.